Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Today I want to spend some time talking about the what-ifs of Tenerife. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, M0A.com. You're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast brought to you by our brand spanking new online ground school. You can check it out at M0A.com to learn more about that. So excited about our new LMS, our new learning management system, our new courses, the new just infusing the science of learning in everything that we do and just blessed, thankful, excited to be able to share that with you all. You all played full out on the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge, didn't you? I, I hope you watched every single video. We totaled it all up between YouTube and Facebook. It was 1.2 something million views, 1.2 and some change million views. And I hope you, either for watching this on YouTube or Facebook, or if you're listening to this in iTunes, I hope. You count it as 31, technically 32 views because Bob and Joel did a day 20.5 with their <laughs> showing some, some banner towing and towing the Who's 20 for 20 banner. That was really, really um, awesome of them to do that. So hopefully you count it as 32 of those views, of those 1.2 million views. But just thank you uh, for playing full out. Uh, it was I was so, so impressed uh, with everything that you all did. It was just what a blessing. So what I'm doing all this month is really working and picking some of my favorites from the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge. Just, and I, I use the term favorites loosely because I say favorites, um, Talking about accidents is not a favorite thing of mine. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I know I talk a lot about aviation accidents, but I'm telling you, aviation accidents are not a favorite topic of mine. They often illustrate great talking points for us to learn from, especially in the accident of Tenerife, which, mind you, was the worst aviation disaster until September 11th happened. So it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. And that many years to go by is, is a great thing. However, what can we learn from this and what have we learned from this? So I want to spend the, the time on our commercial pilot podcast today because you all are either already commercial pilots or aspiring commercial pilots. And I want to talk a little bit about the what if factor. Kind of this Monday morning quarterback thing. I, I understand. I get it. We can't go back and rewrite history. However, we can choose to learn from history and apply these what-if scenarios. And some are totally out of our control. Some are just very odd coincidences. So we have to look at this together objectively and say, what's just a really terrible coincidence? What was out of their control? What was within their control as well? And the first one is this, Pan Am 1736 was running late, if you remember, and this is day 18 of the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge. It would This podcast won't make much sense if you haven't gone over to our YouTube channel, uh, found the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge, the new one. There was one from back in 2015. This is the 2021 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge, and go find day 18, Tenerife. 1736, Pan Am 1736 was late 
departing LAX. And there was there was just passenger delays and maintenance delays and everything else. Again, things out of their control, which ironically, being late from LAX, they had a stop over in New York. So running behind now at New York, then all the way, I mean, Tenerife is the Canary Islands off of Africa. So being late literally across the world in Los Angeles set them up for the accident in the Canary Islands off the coast of Africa the western coast of Africa. And all of this, they were behind KLM. They were behind KLM because KLM ended up landing first. Now, if you watch day 18, you know they weren't even supposed to be at the Tenerife airport anyways. They were supposed to be at the Las Palmas airport. However, there was a bomb that was detonated at the Las Palmas airport. This is a time, so for some, some geopolitical knowledge, I guess, the Canary Islands are a province of Spain. At the time, the people of the Canary Islands and, and the, the, Spanish, um, the Spanish government weren't exactly seeing eye to eye with things. And the Canary Islands were thinking about seceding from Spain. There was all this um, rioting and political tension. So somebody, I, I don't know which side they were on for or against, leaving, you know, staying with Spain or leaving Spain, that much I do not know. But they rolled in a suitcase that was, and they parked it next to a little flower shop in the Las Palmas airport, the intended destination of the Pan Am and the KLM plane involved in our accident. That suitcase was ticking. They proceeded then to walk away. They left. They then called the switchboard, the airport switchboard operator on the phone. And they used this exact phrase. There are bombs, plural. There are bombs in the airport was the exact phraseology that they actually used. So we literally, before the switchboard operator even hung up, they heard an explosion meaning their threat was not empty-handed. Uh, a bomb had really blown up. So, of course, the entire airport was evacuated. This is before we had TSA and true airport security, by the way. The airport was evacuated. All the flights were thus diverted, actually put in a holding pattern. Ironically, uh, KLM and Pan Am 1736 were literally just a few thousand feet away from each other in a holding pattern waiting for Las Palmas to reopen for hours before they ended up being diverted to Tenerife, Tenerife North Airport, Los Rodeos Airport, when they're actually diverted there. What if these terrorists, because that, that's what they really were, just said there's a bomb in the airport because the airport was actually kept shut down much longer because if you read uh, police reports, they all use the plural, bombs. So they continued. They brought in the bomb-sniffing dogs. They did everything looking for more bombs. They assumed because, listen, they were right the first time. They called in and said there's bombs in the airport. One exploded. They were waiting for the next one to go off because they said bombs, plural. It's kind of eerie when you when you think about it that way that caused the aircraft to divert over to Tenerife. Now, Tenerife had its own challenges as well. I mean, the taxiways were so small. The ramp was so small. It wasn't meant for aircraft of this size. The runway and taxiways were in poor condition 
say the NTSB reports and all the all the reporting and accident investigation uh, from that time. Certainly not adequate enough for an aircraft of that size. These are these are huge aircraft for their time. Not only in poor condition, but also there was a hump, really a, a hill in the middle, making it impossible to see the opposite end of the runway. You can probably think of a few airports that have these sort of hills. I've been to uh, Catalina Island before. Catalina Island has that hump in the middle of it, making it almost impossible to see the other side. So remember in this, and this is, again, is this an odd coincidence? Is this something that could have dodged an emergency? Is this something... Perhaps I would have done too, though. Captain Van Zanten, the captain of the KLM plane, opted as they were grounded on a ground stop waiting for the Las Palmas airport to open, decided to take on fuel. And he literally added tens of thousands of pounds to his aircraft. Now, that's an odd coincidence there, right? I mean, we know it's going to be a takeoff accident and we're on a ton of weight and increasing our takeoff distances, um, which again, added, I believe around 15% to the takeoff roll. That's an odd coincidence. But with him taking on fuel as well, Pan Am positioned and literally stuck behind them. If you remember, um, Victor Grubbs, the captain over in the Pan American plane, actually sent out his first officer and his flight engineer to walk around to see if they, they had enough clearance to get around the KLM plane on these little taxiways. They did not. They were about 35 feet short. So they were stuck while KLM was refueling in front of them. Again, if Pan Am could have gotten out because of larger taxiways, they could have made it out and we would never even be talking about this. This podcast wouldn't, this episode wouldn't need to exist. There'd be absolutely nothing to even talk about with that because Pan Am would have taxied around and it would have been a non-event and people just would have had a great cruise vacation in the Canary Islands. You know, it continues on though, even after the refueling as KLM departs out and then Pan Am is told to back taxi with KLM. Now, I can't remember the exact day it was in the Safer Pilot Challenge, but do you remember the United 1448? That was the lost United plane at Providence that was taxiing around, thought they were somewhere, tower and ground thought they were somewhere. It was IFR, it was nighttime, they couldn't see anything. And there was, uh, there was a brave U.S. airplane that they cleared U.S. Air for takeoff. And U.S. Air said, listen, until you get everything figured out down there, I'm not going anywhere. Now, there wasn't that level of confusion between Pan Am and KLM, at least not on the surface that they thought. Remember, they had all this difference of first taxiway, third taxiway, kind of some... Uh, I wish we just sort of called it Charlie 3 or Charlie 1 or Charlie 4 instead of saying first or third taxiway, especially with taxiway closures, made that verbiage, that language even inherently more difficult to use and to understand. But I wish we would have, maybe Pan Am would have said, listen, I can't see anything. It is IFR conditions right now. There is a hump in the middle of this runway. We're already late. Another five minutes isn't going to hurt anybody. We're just going to wait right here until that KLM takes off. Because if we're back taxiing the one and only runway, and as we know, Captain Van Zanten was awfully eager because of those Dutch overtime laws to get in the air and to get flying. That brings me to my next what if. What if the controller used more precise 
language. Not the third taxiway, but Charlie 3, where we could actually see it. You, know, you will never find a controller. Get off your third taxiway. They're going to always tell you Charlie. They may say, get off your third taxiway. That's Charlie 3 or Charlie 3, your third taxiway. But if you ever have a controller tell you, hey, your third taxiway, say, hey, what, which uh, third taxiway, understand, which taxiway is that? Is that Charlie 3? Is that Bravo 2? Which is that? Let me know, please. And they should be doing that. What if the controller used more precise language is that? Remember also, he used the language hold for takeoff. Hold for takeoff. When is the only time we hear the words for and takeoff together? It's cleared for takeoff. Now with the loud engines, with the hustle and bustle, with just wanting to get going, perhaps when they heard four takeoff, they might have thought they missed the clear and they were already at just about full power. Now, Captain Van Zanten and KLM was going no matter what, as it seemed, right? I mean, you you watched that. You saw the animation. He was going no matter what. Um, it sure seemed like to me. But I believe the controller could have used more precise language, and that is why we have that language now that the only time the words for and takeoff are together is cleared for takeoff. They don't say hold short for takeoff, do they? They just say hold short runway 36. The verbiage is quite different with that. You know, what if Pan Am would have left on Charlie 3 like it was supposed to? Third taxiway, first taxiway, all this little bit of uh, confusion here. And then there's those pesky Dutch overtime laws and rules that we spent so much time talking about on day 18. It's interesting to me. It's confusing to me that, again, I understand there's certain crew rest that has to be abided by, but I don't know if there's any 121 pilots watching. What, what does that mean? You know, crew rest, if you're stuck in the Canary Islands and, and you're about to go time out, I imagine you're staying in the Canary Islands and it's going to be their job to get a crew to the Canary Islands to then fly those passengers. And I'm sure the passengers will be very, very upset. Not as upset as they would be for having, <laughs> making the NTSB reports and having an accident like that. The largest aviation disaster of its time. And it stayed that way all the way until September 11th. What are some other what ifs that I'm missing? You've watched day 18. You've heard me here. If you're on YouTube or Facebook watching this, leave me a comment down below. If you're on iTunes, listening to this, you know you can always reach out to myself and the support team. We love, love hearing uh, and reading your feedback. It is truly our oxygen, your comments are, and they're such a blessing to us. Missouri Nation, thank you for making the 31 Day Safer Pilot Challenge such a success. Thank you for just playing full out with that. Thank you for making this one of the most listened to aviation podcasts on the internet. Whether you listen just while you're working on YouTube or Facebook or iTunes, however you consume this, thank you for the thumbs up, the subscribes, the reviews. It means the absolute world to us. Have a blessed, amazing, outstanding day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you.